Hello? Michael Descavi. Hi, Jay. How are you? Very well. And yourself, if I'm on the line, you're on the air. That's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great things. Good, good. So tell me what's new with your book. You, uh, you Tell us about, tell us our listeners about your book um, and, and tell us what's been going on with it. Well, the book is called Nellie and Mrs. W, as you know, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a historical novel that talks about the household of Virginia and Leonard Wolf, the English writers, from the perspective of their cook, Nellie Boxel. Mm-hmm. And I came up with I came up with this topic because I am an avid reader of Virginia Woolf and I've read all the diaries and she's always talking about Nellie, the cook, in the middle of the diaries and you say to yourself, this is a woman who is world renowned and so busy with her work and all the people she was meeting and yet the servants were such an essential part of her life, particularly the cook. Right. So I, I thought that it might be a nice idea to write a book from her, from the cook's perspective since there are so many things from Virginia's perspective that are already written. And then I was about a quarter of the way through writing the first draft, and in rereading the diaries, I came across an excerpt that I don't remember seeing before where Virginia Woolf says, if I were reading this diary, if it were a book that came across my way, I would seize upon I would seize upon the portrait of Nellie and make an entire story around her. Oh, wow. Uh, and I was so taken by that. I, I looked up, I said, I'm doing that, Virginia. I'm doing exactly what you said. And I actually put that as the epigraph for the book. That's great. Now, now, when you say historical novel, that's sort of a... a, 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 a that that's sort of an oxymoron right there. Um how much is, is real? How much is from the great mind of Michael Deshavi? Well, uh you know, because there was so little known about the servants' personal lives, I would say in terms of the specific events that happened to Nelly, about eighty percent is from my own mind. Ah. But you know, the problem is that when you're writing historical fiction a lot of times you forget what's real and what you made up because you're writing because what you're writing seems real to you. It's like, well, I know that there's no record that this happened, but in my mind it actually could have happened. That's but, very cool. That's very cool. <laughs> but what I what I do keep very strictly to is the timeline of Virginia Woolf's novels. And I have the book set among the backdrop of what she was, what she would have been working on at, at any given time. And one of the many, one of the many positive comments that I've received about the book is that it's very, very well researched. Oh, good. You know, and that was important to me because as much as it's a novel, i.e., a work of fiction. It does have a historical basis, and I am using historical characters, so I do try to do my homework. 
I, gi- I give you a lot of credit. Num- number one, that you're sticking to history so tightly. Um, there are so many times I'll, I'll see a, a biopic or read or read a, a, a biography, and I'll say, "So exactly, how did they know this? What, wait a minute. What, what do you what do you mean? I thought that happened ten years before, or I thought there was someone else there." And you find out they created characters and things like that. So you're being honest and saying, "Okay, this is your imagination. You're just sticking to 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 history's basic timeline." Um, and you're sticking to it well, so good for you on that. You, that that avoids that avoids the critics saying, "Wait a minute, this was written too soon or too late." How has right. reception been? You, it's it's been uh, it's been out for a while. How's uh, reception been on it? It's been out since February. Uh, so far, I'm I'm getting a lot of positive feedback on it. Sales are slow but steady, and uh, pe- people. Uh, I was. I was at a fundraising event for a friend of a friend, and there was someone at the event who I know only through passing, and she's like, oh, I was on Amazon looking for a book, and your book came up. She said, and I bought it because I recognized your name. She said, I just started reading it, and I'm already loving it. Very good. Very good. Well, I'm glad that you're loving it, and more importantly, thank you for buying it. Yeah. <laughs> Please, thank thank you for helping support me. Um, it's an interesting thing you said. Sales are slow. Um, do you think it's it's the general world that we're in that people aren't buying books that much? Is yours? I gather is like on a Kindle. You can download it as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's the hard copy version. It's also available on Kindle and on Nook. And. Uh, uh, and yet, to to answer your question, I absolutely believe that that part of it is just the changing world that people are really not reading as much. I mean, I I'm always amazed by how many people I meet, you know, and because I'm such a voracious reader. When I go to networking events, you know, for the business I'm in, I I will say to people sometimes instead of the generic boring, "What do you do?" I'll say, "Well, what are you reading?" And seven out of ten times, well, what do you mean? I'm not reading anything. Or I don't know. Well, the last book I read was in high school. And you're talking to someone who's 50 years old. You know, the the last time someone – it's funny you say that. The last time someone asked me that really astute question, what are you reading, was so many years ago. It's really interesting you say that. Um, uh, Do you have have any plans to make this like an audio book or anything like that to to increase visibility? I would – I would definitely, I would definitely like to do that. Uh, if if I if I were approached about it, it would be something I'd be definitely interested in. Although I think I'd want to get somebody with a much sexier voice than I have. <laughs> it should be a woman, you know, on that level. I would think. Um, uh, uh, now, is this your first? Uh, this is not your first book. You've, you've written before, yes. Well, th- this is this is the first book that's been released. I uh-huh. have I have another I have another novel, uh, a full length novel sitting in the recesses of, of my hard drive, and the only thing that's been uh, holding it back is that it's it it needs some revision and it well actually it it needs a lot of cutting because it's very very long and there are a lot of scenes that have to be cut and it's. And that book, in contrast to this one, is very, very steeped in history, uh-huh. because it it's a it's about a historical character who, even though she's been forgotten about in our day, in her own day, she almost caused 
uh, an English revolution. Oh. You know, she was very, very, very controversial, and she really split England across the middle as to who was for her and who was against her. Okay, you piqued my curiosity. What's the book about? Who's the Who's the book? Who's in the book? Uh, uh, the The book is about Caroline of Brunswick, uh-huh. who was the daughter-in-law of King George the Third of England, the king that we broke away from in the United States. And it's basically about. Her life, specifically as an English princess, never really fitting in. And, you know, she and her husband had a horrible marriage. And when he gave her a letter of separation, he said in the letter, and and I've read the original letter, that they should each feel free to do as they pleased. Well, she took him literally. (laughs) And she did. (laughs) Whatever she wanted with whomever she wanted. And, of course, you know, as the Princess of Wales, you really can't do that, no matter what the letter says. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. What but, we can do and what royalty can do is two different things, yes. Exactly. But God bless Caroline. She marched to her own, to her own drama, and uh, she paid the price for it. Uh, you, you think the, uh, the, the uh, success of your first novel and uh, rather, you know, uh, of the current one, that is... Uh, We'll, we'll spur you on to make those edits and, and send this out? Absolutely. You know, I, I had a, I was in, I was in the middle, I was in the middle of editing this book a few years ago and uh, I had a person, I had a personal tragedy. My husband oh, died oh, unexpectedly. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, thank you. It, it really just, all of a sudden, the lives, you know, writing fiction didn't matter to me in the least anymore. Of course, of course. What what mattered to me was keeping my own life together or at least piecing it back together. And so I put everything off for a long time and then I finally realized that, well, I might as well, you know, since I was constantly thinking about the books, I might as well get started. So I decided to pick this book because I knew it was much closer to being ready to go. And I did the final touch-ups on that, got it ready, got it out there. And now I'm going to, in a few months, I'm going to start working on the other one. And I'm hoping within a couple of years that maybe have Caroline's story on the bookshelves as well. I think it'll take sooner than that because that's a topic, the notion of of, of powerful women, the notion of, of the changing uh, thoughts on the royalty and on marriage and things like that are very topical. I have a feeling that's going to be grabbed just as fast as as Virginia Woolf's cook. Um, yeah. Uh, which would be phenomenal. Uh, uh, so so I've, I've spoken to a lot of authors recently, and, and a lot of them started out as playwrights, as actors, as something else, whatever it was, and, and somehow they segued into being an author. I had a, a, a film producer who is now an author. I have two playwrights who are now authors. I even have a publisher who is now an author. Um, what's the allure of writing novels? What's the allure of writing? Now, now were, you, were, were you anything else and you said, I want to be a writer, or all your life you wanted to, uh, to put words to paper? Well, all, all my life I wanted to write. Uh, and I, as a matter of fact, I, I, had a, I was the only second grader in my class who had a typewriter and the reason being that my handwriting was so terrible <laughs> that the teacher told my mother that I really needed a typewriter. Well, then you could have been a doctor and, with such a handwriting. Okay. 
<laughs> exactly. So on so on Saturday on Saturday mornings, I would sit and I would type out stories that I would create in my head. And unfortunately, my mother never thought to save any of them because it would have been really nice. Yeah, and then, and then as I got older in high school and college, I had several attempts at novel writing. And they didn't really work out too well. Although I did get to a first full, when I was in college, I did write a first full draft of a book. And then when I got into the editing stage, I realized this is awful. <laughs> this is just awful. I was like ashamed to have written it. <laughs> and I decided to put that book on the do not resuscitate list. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah, but, but no, but I... I made I made my living originally as a high school English teacher. Uh-huh. And it's funny because you know all of my colleagues would always say, "Oh, I don't have any time to read, much less write during the school year. It's too hard. I can't do it." And and when they would see that I would be writing, when I would talk about that I was writing, they were amazed. And the funny thing is, I wrote two full-length manuscripts while I was a full-time teacher. Now that I'm no longer teaching, actually, writing is less of my day because it's I have to put myself in that zone. Sure. Whereas when I was full-time teaching, I just, you know, I woke up a little bit earlier, started writing while the coffee was perking, and then during... During my during my lunchtime, instead of sitting there talking to people about what was happening with Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> I would be editing the printed pages of my book. That's so cool. You know, I'm a I'm a firm believer in there's no such thing as I don't have time. You know, the most successful people in the world and the homeless all have 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, pe- people who own empires and people who are being evicted from their apartments all have 24 hours in the day, 365 days a week. Uh, yeah, it's just a matter of how you choose to use that time and what you're going to do with it. Are you going to sit there and complain that no one's interested, or are you going to pick up the phone and keep calling until someone is interested? Good point. Really good point. The, the, um, I, I read an article recently that, that said the, the best thing to do sometimes is to write out your day, figure out how long it takes to do all these things, and to see what's left. The people are always shocked by how many hours they have left. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm very big on cal- calendaring. You know, I I keep a calendar, and everything I'm everything I'm going to do is on the calendar. And I've tried keep I've tried doing it on my iPhone, and since it has that cool feature, the problem is I'm not really a techie, and I would put the stuff on the phone, and then I would never look at the calendar. There you go. Yeah. So it didn't help. So I yeah. discovered I need paper. So I have this I have this nice leather bound appointment book that I keep with me all the time, and I have my day planned in it from at least the day before, if not prior to that. Smart man. It's it's funny. I'm a paper guy also so much so that like I don't throw things out because like once it's on paper, it's real to me in some way. And I, yes. I, I don't want to get rid of it. It's like, oh, I shouldn't throw this out. Please. It's a bill from five years ago. I really should throw it out. But nonetheless, <laughs> I know it, 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 that, that that goes back to my other question about the reality of it. Um, what is the allure about about writing novels? What is the allure about being a writer? 
What do you think, well, at least? I think, I think the I think the allure is to create worlds of your own imagination. Or in my specific case, I don't know that I have that much creativity in me. I don't want to create a new world. I like taking people and places that were real and just kind of filling in filling in the blanks of what the textbooks tell us. You know, for, like, for example, I've always said that if I were interested in American historical fiction, I would write a book about the time period of George Washington and the men at Valley Forge. Hmm. Because everything talks about what, the, what George Washington and his men were doing there. I'm always wondering, what, what were the women doing? What was Mrs. Washington doing while her husband was in Valley Forge huddling with all these men? Hmm. You know, I mean, for, for, for all we know, she could have been running an escort service. <laughs> for, you know, I mean, for, you know, a woman has to make a living if her husband's not around. I, I see that being a Mel Brooks movie, Martha's Maidens. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I mean, you know, there you go. So that, that, that's the allure for me. That's really interesting because you're you're an English teacher, so uh, so it's it's almost like you're you're finding the knowledge within the knowledge. You're taking these great moments and putting them together with what could have happened in between. So that's 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 a really clever mission you have going on. Um, how how many of us how many of us have picked up a history book and read the boring part of history that we have to hear and think to ourselves, well, when did they go to the bathroom or or. Or, or what did he do? Or, or, or was it really wooden teeth that George Washington had? And all that we we question. So it's great that you you give us the opportunity to fill in these questions. Um, what's the next novel? What's the next in your head? Well, I have about seventy five pages on a book. Oh, seventy five pages of a book on Dorothy Wordsworth, William Wordsworth's sister. Mm-hmm. And I did some preliminary research, and like I said, I have I have about seventy five good pages so far. I don't know if I'm going to want to continue with or not. There's a story there, and I think it's very good. But since everything happened in my personal life, I've really become much more drawn to nonfiction. Oh. I've been reading a lot more personal development, and I would like to write a book on resiliency, specifically resiliency after life throws you really, really, really bad curveballs. You know, because, I mean, you can either lay down and take too many sedatives and hope that everything goes away, which I almost did on my wedding anniversary. I came very, very close to doing that, but I didn't. Or you can pick yourself up, put a smile on your face, even though it's not real, and just do what you have to do which is what I did most of the time, but I also had a tremendous amount of support. What do you say to people who don't have support? Whenever I hear someone say, I have this person, this person, this person, I, I, I personally, I've, I've never had a lot of support behind me until, until recently in my life, so, so I was always a little jealous. What do you say? Now, now you pulled yourself out of something very, very serious, very sad, uh, and, and went back to being an artist, simply. Now, you say you have support. What do you say to a person who doesn't have a lot of support? What do you say to the person whose whose life is such that they 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 need to 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 climb out of somewhere to get back to being an artist? What do you say to them? Find it. <laughs> it with, 
with, with the age of the internet, it's not as hard as you think. I mean, for example, uh, there is this wonderful, wonderful website. It's called webmd.com. And they have online support groups for just about every medical condition, including depression, anxiety, that you can possibly imagine. So even if you live in a small town where there's no one, you can join an online group. And I know I have joined online groups for different reasons over the years. And the support I got from those groups were was very, very real. And the other thing I would say is, if you don't have the family and friends around you who will lift you up and who will hold you, then you need to find people who will. And in the meantime, you know, even putting something as a simple post on Facebook saying, hey, you know, this is what I'm going through. I'd really love to talk to people who have been through it or who are going through it. Creating a Facebook group. I mean, Victoria Schnepps, the owner of Schnepps Media Group, always says nothing is more powerful than a handshake. And I agree with her 100%. However, when that's not possible, I mean, there are pl- there are plenty of ways of online support, telephone support. I mean, there's, there's a lot out there, and of course, professional counseling. I mean, I I'm still in grief counseling four years later, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, someone someone once asked me. Uh, 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 in this case, it's about a parent dying. When when does the when does the pain stop? And the answer they got was, I'll I'll let you know. So exactly. Yeah. And what, what, one of the things that I've become in my own community, and I'm, I'm a member of the civic association in my community and I started a bereavement group and most of the people who seem to be attracted to the group are widows and poor widowers like myself. And, uh, so I, I'll have people say to me, when does it get easier? And I say, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't you just develop different skills like you know the first year everything is a horror the second year everything is even worse because you realize oh my god this is really my life now you know yeah. the, the first year you're still kind of in shock so as hard as everything is to get through the first time you almost feel like you're still in a dream the second year you realize it's no dream there you go and the second year I was more depressed than the first year because then it's real, you know. All the right. the, the, the 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 pain itself is is different. It's it's the real pain. Well, yeah. I mean the the pain, the source. It's it's all real. Sure. Um, you're a very brave man. You're a very brave man. You're a very inspirational man. Um, and just by the fact that you teach English and you're a writer, means you uphold the great intellect that we're all supposed to have. Um, absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, do you, do you see, do you see this or any of your books becoming movies? Let's give it to the audience that uh, doesn't read Uh, any, any of these, uh, that can be movies. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, this particular book, Nellie and Mrs. W, I don't see it as a movie, but I think it would make a great either miniseries or television series. Like, you know, I I was thinking the other day, 
When I was student teaching, I read the Little House on the Prairie series by Laura Ingalls Wilder, the way she originally wrote it. Right. And I think about the TV show, which I grew up watching. And when I read the books, I realized that they took the basis of her books and they made a few stories about that. But after that, everything else was just their own imaginations based on what was in the book. Right. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you know, that this this could be a good TV series. And when they run out of the stories, they're in my book. I could see them keeping it going, making up their own new stories. And if and and if and if there's somebody out there in podcast land who who wants to option it for a television series, I'm all ears. <laughs> you know, definitely. And that now now on the other hand, the the book on Caroline that I can absolutely see as a movie. Oh, okay. Because she was really, she had such a dramatic life. I mean, Nellie, you know, she was a cook. It's kind of hard to make that much drama for a cook. <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what did she do? Burn the potatoes? I mean, this is, so as a matter of fact, I, I have a couple of really uh, big things that happened to her. And uh, mostly just because I needed some drama in the book. Of course. Sure. Whereas Caroline's entire life was drama. I didn't have to make any up. <laughs> they, history gave it to you. Exactly. There yeah. was there was a, a great series, oh, a million years ago, called uh, something like, not, not backstage at the White House, but something uh, uh, behind the scenes at the White House or something like that. And it was a, a miniseries that went from uh, I think it went from like William Howard Taft all the way through to Harry Truman uh, of what their lives were. And it was from the from the point of view of the servants of the White House. And it was really fascinating. But you bring up a good point. They they watched what was going on because there was there was just so much. But they found things within their lives. They did essentially what you did. They found things within their lives that were surely applicable back then and made that part of the drama. Right. So so you're. You're you're on a great trajectory with this. Maybe we'll we'll see more of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, it's like it, instead of talking about the people, you know, like instead of writing books about the marquee so to speak, mm -hmm. it's nice to it's nice to write a book about the people behind the scenes of the marquee names. Like yep. for example, I mean. No disrespect to the Obamas, but if I see one more book with Michelle Obama's face on it, I'm going to get north. <laughs> you know, so give, give give me a book written. You know, give me a book about her seamstress or her tailor or somebody on the outskirts in her life whose face we don't see all the time, and show me what she is from that person's point of view. We see a lot of movies like that. That's the reason I'd ask. There was uh, tons of movies where we where we see the point of view of of the secretary of the administration person. You know, moments in history, but seen from from the the sidelines. And I I think that's really brilliant because it it puts us there. Uh, it makes right. us part of things. There's uh, there's a great story. I don't know how much is obfuscated by this point, but uh, of uh, of of John Kennedy. When he was visiting uh, NASA, uh, when he was visiting uh, 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 to see where, where the, the rocket launches were going to be for the lunar landing, uh, and, and he turned to, to a custodian there, and he didn't realize he was a custodian, he just said, hey, what do you do here? And the custodian was proud enough to say, 
I'm putting a man on the moon. And and he was just a right. custodian, but he was so part of that that that's that he felt that his job was as much part as as any of the controllers there. So we're talking to people who are as powerful, but but we can relate to so much more. So so your books are so much more accessible for us. You know, when we read them, we don't have to sit there and say, "Oh, I wish I was king." No, I could be that, and I could be in that house. I could be part of that history. Really clever. Right. Really clever. Michael, and that's thank exactly you. Exactly what I was going for. That's what I figured. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Uh, uh, this is really great. And and aside from your novel, I got to pick up a few more. I'm one of those horrible people who doesn't read enough, so I got to get to to your novel and so many others. Thank you so much for chatting with me. And I will tell our listeners exactly where they can get the book, how they can order it online, uh, and and all the other good things coming from you. You're welcome, but thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Okay, bye-bye.